It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, June 23rd, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka School Board President Blossom Teal Olson has stepped down. Teal Olson announced her resignation at the board's regular meeting on June 20th to become effective the following day. Teal Olson's term was set to expire this October, but she told the small audience in the district office boardroom that she knew there were serious trade-offs in continuing her service on the board. That energy she'd have to spend preparing for meetings and responding to email would be energy that she wouldn't have for her son, who is a rising senior, and her two daughters. It's been a growing experience to um, step into this position. I definitely will take away um, a lot of uh, knowledge and um, ultimately uh, I choose my family. Teal Olson was appointed to fill a vacant seat on the Sitka School Board in June of 2020. She subsequently won election that October to a full three-year term. She was voted to president to succeed Andrew Hames when he accepted a teaching position in the district at the beginning of the last school year. Teal Olson has lived in Sitka for almost three decades, but is always quick to remind people that she's from Kotzebue and raised in Fairbanks. The land acknowledgement that the school board offers at the beginning of every meeting was introduced during her term and she became emotional reading it this one last time. In her farewell remarks at the end of the meeting, Teal Olson reminded everyone of her own background and urged tolerance for students who do not always conform to expectations. As an educator, if you may have a student who has a hard time focusing, returning in their homework, or being compatible with your line of thought, have hope, because someday, you may find them on the other side of the school board, and I hope that you do. The Sitka School District is taking letters of interest from anyone who'd like to serve out the vacancy created by Teal Olson's departure. Letters may be submitted to the district office through July 13th. The board will review candidates in a special meeting on July 19th and appoint one to the seat. The successful candidate will serve until the municipal election this October. It's that time of year when bear activity is picking up, and Sitka is not the only community with concerns. Two Kodiak groups teamed up and held a town hall meeting last weekend to solicit public opinion about bears in their community. And as KMXT's Brian Venois reports, it's one of the first steps towards revising fishing games policies surrounding the furry critters. Summer is finally reaching Kodiak, and soon bears will be in the city too. The animals will soon be seen again around beaches and dumpsters. To promote better community behavior and revise policy, the Kodiak Unified Bears Subcommittee and the borough's Solid Waste Advisory Board teamed up to hear the public's perception of bears. Larry Van Dale is the director of the Kodiak Brown Bear Trust and serves on both committees, but previously served as the bear biologist on the island for decades. He says interactions between humans and bears are more common than they used to be. We do have more bears around here than we did, say, 20 years ago. And people are much more tolerant than they were of bears 20 years ago. But that being said, uh, there needs to be better control of garbage and human food so that bears can't have access to it. Vandale says other issues the board regularly sees includes getting too close to bears or crowding areas after one is spotted and shared on social media. He says it's common for folks to block roads to get better views of ursines around the archipelago. The meeting was attended by Fish and Game staff as well as people in waste management as they heard what the community wants and expects. We had a variety of public members from folks that 
literally wanted to make this a no-bear zone and kill every bear that comes near town, to other people that felt it very important that we find ways to live with bears because they were here first. The Kodiak Unified Bear Subcommittee is under the Kodiak's Fish and Game Advisory Committee. Vandale says this weekend's discussions will inform reports as they head up to the Board of Game and could eventually affect the Kodiak Archipelago Bear Management and Conservation Plan. That plan is what they call a living document. It wasn't meant to be written and put on a shelf. It was meant to evolve. So we're going to look at that plan and say, how best should we manage bears around the town? And after we evaluate that internally, then we'll go out for another public meeting or series of public meetings. Vandale says the best practice for now is to make sure trash is properly stored until pickup, avoid blocking roads when viewing bears, and to maintain healthy distances from wildlife when possible. In Kodiak, I'm Brian Venois. Alongside Governor Mike Dunleavy's vetoes to education funding, Alaska schools are about to find out how much money they will receive from the federal government for school meals this year. As school districts look ahead at their 2024 budgets, many are under pressure because of the steep inflation in the price of food. KFSK's Thomas Copeland reports. It's a Friday in June, but the Petersburg Elementary School's cafeteria is still teeming with kids. Lunch lady Kitty Brantus knows them all by name. Hi, Natalie. Do you want teriyaki chicken or sweet chili chicken? Terry, terry chicken. And beside the terry chicken, there's a full salad bar, too. From this end, we've got lettuce, uh, bean salad, fresh carrots. Now, in the summertime, the federal government covers this food for any child who wants it. But that's not the case in the school year. When the semester starts back up this fall, Alaska schools have access to less funding for school meals. And that means they will have to face the full force of inflation. Carly Johnson McIntosh is in charge of the meals at Petersburg schools. She's watched the cost of her food orders skyrocket. So if you look at chicken, that has doubled in price compared to what you were able to get it in 2020 or 2021. According to the latest data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the price of food in schools has shot up this year by a chart-topping 294%. In 2010, when I started, a weekly grocery bill was about $2,000. Now, one week's worth of groceries is about $5,000. But the biggest part of that is over the past two years. How school meals are paid for during the semester gets pretty complicated. Basically, the federal government reimburses Alaska schools for many of the meals they serve, but not all of them. Depending on household income, some kids are eligible for free meals, some are eligible for reduced meals, and some pay full price. In Petersburg, more than 60% of students are eligible for free or reduced meals. That's a little under the statewide average of three quarters. In the last year, schools have been able to claw back between six and seven dollars for each free or reduced meal. But the problem is that reimbursement rate just hasn't kept up with soaring food bills. And that leaves schools with two options. The first is to get thrifty, like Johnson McIntosh in Petersburg. We try to buy bulk orders to help um, reduce the the cost. And then we plan menus so that if we have any leftovers of one day, we can easily use it in another thing without having any waste or overhead and leftover product. The second option is to increase the prices for the students who do pay. And that's exactly what the Petersburg School District plans to do. They'll be proposing a 25 cent increase to the standard meal charge at the next school board meeting in August. It might not seem like much, but five days a week for a few children, and their quarters start to add up. 
But even if they do both of those two things, many Alaska schools will still feel the pinch. Trevor Bridgewater is the president of the Alaska School Nutrition Association. It's definitely a fact that schools are caught between the rising costs of food and a stagnant uh, reimbursement rate. And we are constantly behind the curve on how to fund our programs. And Bridgewater says Alaska schools face an additional problem. Unlike other states, the state of Alaska does not provide uh, any additional reimbursement monies to uh, school nutrition programs in Alaska. The federal reimbursement rates for 2024 are expected any day now. Bridgewater says that if the rate increase isn't enough, schools may have to search for cutbacks, maybe some big ones. Literally, whether or not certain schools can afford to continue serving meals in schools, the other option is to look at uh, food products that cost less. And food products that cost less are usually of lesser quality. And back in Petersburg, cutbacks of any kind could face stiff resistance from already picky cafeteria customers. I don't like it when they serve banana bread. I don't like spaghetti. I don't like the carrot very much. Why not? I don't know. Well, 72 kids fed today. That just leaves the washing up. For KFSK, I'm Thomas Copeland. Some Alaska lawmakers are holding out hope for a groundswell of support to override Governor Mike Dunleavy's line-item budget veto on public school funding. Representative Calvin Shraji is an Anchorage nonpartisan who leads the House's largely Democratic minority caucus. He says he asked House Speaker Kathy Tilton, a Wasilla Republican, on Wednesday to poll House members about holding a special session to attempt to veto overrides. I think it's important that we uh, at least do our due diligence in taking the time to figure out where members are at and whether two-thirds of the members of the legislature support going to special session to override this veto. Shraji says he heard back from Tilton Thursday afternoon. She told him an informal poll of her members led her to believe there wasn't anywhere close to the votes for a special session. Tilton said in a statement from her caucus that she believes the cut balances adequate education funding with fiscal responsibility. Still, Shraji says it will take some time for individual school districts to reckon with the latest funding changes, which affect the coming school year. I think as we learn the impacts of such a low number, Uh, The votes may actually be there for both a special session and for overriding this veto. Um, So I I think the the, the question is still out there as to whether the votes are there, and I think it's going to take some time for people to know the answer, um, both collectively and individually, to that question. Meanwhile, the governor also can call the legislature back for a special session on any topic, at which point the Constitution requires lawmakers to reconsider vetoed bills. Jeff Turner, a spokesperson for the governor, said Thursday it has yet to be determined if the governor will call the legislature back for a special session. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.